Welcome to the Diving Pod. I'm Dave Bergering, Fort Lauderdale Diving Team Head Coach. And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I am Aaron Rooney. And once again, this Diving Podcast is brought to you by the people at Sideline Scout. Uh, video replays, number one tool in diving, and Sideline Scout has perfected the poolside live system. I've had a couple coaches reach out asking what it's all about, and um, we're getting them hooked up with uh, the best in the business, truly. Uh, the Apple TV controls, uh, the slow-mo, rewind, frame-by-frame, frame, everything you need to correct the dives, correct the positioning. The video clarity is absolutely unbelievable. Just make sure you get over to sidelinescout.com, uh, check out their poolside live setups. And uh, with that, I will say, Dave, very happy, happy to have you on here. A lot of cool things happening down in Fort Lauderdale, this, uh, this go with diving. And, um, but let's start with you, start with your diving story, how you were introduced to the sport and um, that kind of deal there. Uh, okay. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't know who listens to your show, but I'm going to date myself here. No, that's I okay. Started, I started diving um, uh, kind of out of uh uh, happenstance of me going to um, the wrong physical education class back when we had those in uh, in junior high school in, in Lansing, Michigan. I ended up going to the wrong schedule the first day. So the next day I went to the right one and the teacher kind of gave me some grief that I missed the first day of class already. And he happened to be the swimming coach. And uh, he also knew my dad. I didn't know who he was, but he somehow knew my father. And he asked me if I was going to try out for swimming. And of course, I'd never thought about it, never dreamt about it. And I knew how to swim, but my answer was sure. So I did and tried everything. Freestyle, breaststroke, probably drowned trying the butterfly. <laughs> um, and then he wanted to know who wanted to tr try diving. And so I sat there and watched the kid that was on the team kind of demonstrate and we all played follow the leader trying to make it happen. And I made the team and the rest kind of fell into place. My dad helped me find coaches throughout my career. And um, the two main ones that kind of fell into place were John Narcy at Michigan state. Uh, Cause I was from Lansing. It was really easy to get there to train and he took me under his wing and that's where I ended up going to college and then after college, Mission Viejo was opening. And uh, obviously, being in the Big Ten, I knew who Ron O'Brien was. And obviously, at that time, already followed the Olympics and Dick Kimball and Hobie and Ron, the top three at the time. Um, and uh, I had the opportunity to go to Mission Viejo and took the opportunity. So then Ron started coaching me and uh, dove there the rest of my career, retired after the Olympic trials in 84. Very good. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Very cool. So I have to ask some fo uh, follow-up questions. So um, obviously, unfortunately, Mission Michigan State has cut their program. Did I just see recently that there's talk? Are there some trustees or alumni that want to revisit it? Yeah, I don't get all the quickest news on it. Um, right. Or as quick as I'd like to get it because I'd like to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been a couple board of trustees that have said that they would like to at least um, get better answers than we've been given yeah, and uh, kind of listen to what the group of people that are trying to save the program have to say. Um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's just a shame. I mean, yeah. whether you're a, a swimming and diving fan or one or the other, it's, um, 
this is the this would have been the hundredth year of Michigan State swimming and diving program. It was ninety nine years and bye bye. It just that's wow. but well, not- uh, I mean the pandemic. If that's the case, I get it, but I don't get why then they can raise other people's salaries the way they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't understand why. They've had some of the biggest donors ever in the university given to the athletic department and can't feed some of that to help start the program back up. Yep. But I, I you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, especially cause I, if I could be mistaken, but I think their women's team was always in like the top five in GPA. Like we're not talking about a team that was a bunch of athletes that just showed up and, and were diving and swimming. Like you're talking about amazing student athletes that were always in the top for GPA too. Like, why do you Correct. not want a team like that? Yeah, I think the women were had a longer stretch than the men did, but the men's team was, in, at least in the last few years, were right up there as well. A top 10 for both, easy, easily. Yeah. And that's just – and they've all won awards, you know, certain scholarships to go on because of their academics. And, you know, the, the big thing that I understood with college, I haven't done a lot of college coaching, but was graduation rate. Yeah. Man, swimming and diving teams got pretty close to 100%. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't want to keep that on your record, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, as we kind of transition, you know, from your your career as an athlete, you know, Fort Lauderdale has this immense history of swimming and diving, but how did you find your way to Fort Lauderdale and uh, and what has kept you there for so long? I mean, you've been coaching at Fort Lauderdale for quite a while and you've built this amazing program. What's kept you there? Uh, well, weather, number one. <laughs> yeah, you talked about I, that with us beforehand. I, I grew up in Michigan, so I, I know what it's like to be cold and went to Michigan State, like I said, so I know what it's like walking to class in the cold. Um, but um, it was kind of a, it was kind of the Ron O'Brien link that I ended up having later in my diving career. Um, I dove with him in Mission Viejo, like I said, and um when he left to come to Mission Bay, which was in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, they had a tremendous program and pool there. I became the head coach in Mission Viejo. And then a few, like four years after I was in Mission Viejo, a job opened up where he was. And so I went to Mission Bay to be his assistant and kind of learn from him more on the coaching side than as I did when I was an athlete. I wanted to know what, what made him tick and, what made his athletes tick so I could gather some of that information. Well, shortly after I got there, Mission, maybe I'm the bad luck, Mission Bay went bankrupt. And so Ron left to go to Fort Lauderdale and I, and, uh, I stayed at Mission Bay because that was the only option at the time and paid pool rental and tried to start my own program. And, you know, the parents paid me. I paid the pool rental and tried to go that route like most independent contractor diving coaches do. And then another pool just uh, south of uh, Mission Bay was Coral Springs Aquatic Complex. And they had just built a brand new pool, needed a coach. Uh, They had come, the aquatics manager and his assistant came to watch some practices in Mission Bay and asked me a lot of questions. And at, at one point we were talking about maybe doing uh, two programs, one at Mission Bay, one at Coral Springs. And 
I could head up both. And then finally, I just had had enough with the politics of a bankrupt facility, I guess, and some of the owners and ended up going to where the, I knew the pool was going to make it because it was city owned. Um, and then going to Coral Springs um, um, and Ron O'Brien ended up retiring. Tim O'Brien, his son, took over in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Tim achieved a lot in, in, in his coaching career, became an Olympic coach and so on and so forth. But I think he kind of got uh, not burnt out, but more frustrated in realizing that in a normal business world, uh, if you're at the top of your game, you're also at the top of the food chain as far as um, finances are concerned. That's not necessarily true in our sport. I mean, you could have a coach winning two or three national championships in a row or coaching a kid to the Olympics or his kid win the Olympics. That doesn't mean you're getting any increase in pay. Or if you're doing that as a, a CEO and you're selling more Cokes and Pepsis or Pepsis and Cokes, you're getting a raise. Yeah. And uh, I think it kind of frustrated him and the politics of our sports sometimes. And he retired and went into business because he realized that the harder I work, the more I'm probably going to make where in diving. Yeah. The harder I work, the better my athletes, but I'm not reaping much benefit by that. I don't mind sharing it with my athletes, but it's tough when you want to have a family, you want to have a nice house, you want to have the things that life's supposed to give you or that you're supposed to be able to provide for yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going to Fort Lauderdale and mostly because um, I figured if I was a parent that had a child, <clears throat> excuse me, that had a child and uh, got a flyer in the mail or an email or something that said, come dive and take diving lessons at Coral Springs or come take diving lessons at the swimming hall of fame. Where would they go? Yep. Yep. And it was pretty easy to me that most of them would probably try the hall of fame first. So I thought it was a built in business deal. Um, it was rich in history. Um, the city is willing to, uh, to pay stipends to the coaches um, where everywhere else I went, it was like I said, you'd get a percentage and that's about it. Uh, so you had to work really, really hard to make some serious money in Fort Lauderdale. I think because of the success and the coaches they've had realized that if they want success, they want a coach and they got to keep them. We got to pay them. Yeah. So yeah. that's what moved me there. That's great. Kind of backtracking real quick, um, you know, talking about trying to move and be around Ron O'Brien and learn from him and what made him and his athletes tick. You know, what were some things that you did learn that helped, you know, make him tick and help get his athletes to tick how he wanted? Well, if you listen to his podcast podcast on your show, you'll learn a lot about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing as far as a coach, and I think there were a few of them out there at the time, like I said, Kimball and Hobie and uh, and Ron and a few others, but it was their dedication. Um, it, 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 whether it rained or snowed or sleeted, uh, uh, windy, not windy, hot as blazes, uh, they were there coaching. We had practice. It wasn't, oh, sorry, it's, you know, 62 degrees. It's too cold to dive. Let's get your butt up there and do a list on tower and shut up. And if you didn't like it, they didn't coach you. They wanted the people that they that they 
got along with it, that wanted to work, that wanted to be as good as they wanted to be. And they created that environment in like, we don't have a training center now, but we kind of did then we had three of them. It was Mission Viejo, University of Michigan with Kimball and Indiana with Hobie. And then a few more popped up as they got started. But, you know, if you wanted to be good, if you wanted to go to the Olympics, if you wanted to try to go to the Olympics, you had to go on one of those programs. But you had to follow their program. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, uh, well, I don't have to do that today. I'm going to do one meter. I don't want to do tower. No, no. You, 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 you go up and do what you're supposed to do and then some. Yep. And, uh, yeah. and that's, that's one of the things that when I've talked to those three guys that they feel is missing from USA diving or AAU diving or YMCA or is there's, we're almost afraid that if we get too angry at our divers or not, not even angry, but discipline them, uh, uh, kick them out, we're going to lose them. And because a lot of our money comes from how many kids are paying you're taking money out of your pocket. Yeah. But if you look at the, I, I don't know if it's the right way or the wrong way, but if you look at their way, it worked. Yep. Because the people that stuck through it were pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That might pretty be an good. understatement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between those three coaches, I, they probably got more Olympic medal athletes than anybody in the history of our sport in the U S. Yeah. yeah. I, I, sure. I think, I think the one thing before Aaron asks this question, the one thing that stuck with me is uh, I, I don't know. I think Aaron and I have a similar mindset, but like, I just can remember my dad saying, if your coach is yelling at you, it means he cares. And I've always remembered that. Like it means he expects, or they expect more from you than what you're giving them. And I think uh, we've kind of lost that a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think there's, I don't yell that much. I used to yell a lot. I used to get <laughs> angry a lot. Um, and I realized it affected me more. Because I, it was hard for me to leave it at the pool. I'd go home and still kind of be bubbling over it. So I still get angry or I still get frustrated, but I handle it differently now. I, I, I just try to get more logic involved, even though sometimes logic doesn't work when it's an illogical situation. Yep. So it kind of backfires. But yeah, I agree. And I have said that to my athletes quite often, maybe not the same way, but is you know, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be on your butt yep. and you need to worry. Not when I'm yelling at you, when I'm not yelling. <laughs> yep. Because yep. I've, give, I've given up. Yep. And luckily I don't do that very often. Or if I'm ready to give up, they're either in another group in my program or they're diving somewhere else yep. only because they realize it's not working or I realize it's not going to work, but yeah. Um, they usually fall in pretty quick. If you, if you just, if you stay steady and they know what to expect from you, they'll follow. Yeah. If you're, if yeah. you're a roller coaster and one day you're happy to go lucky and everyone's getting away with murder and the next day you're kicking everybody out of practice, they don't know what to expect. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Very true. Um, moving on to the next one here, the new high diving facility. I mean, the, the, platform system there is absolutely beautiful what i want to know how did that come to fruition um was fort lauderdale i mean being at the swimming hall of fame everything there how did that come about i've seen pictures i know there's water in the pool now it just looks absolutely incredible well the story is um we we um 
we're getting ready to build the facility. It took forever, and I mean 10 years maybe, from, well, more, because when Ron O'Brien was coaching there, it was in the uh, early, early 90s, he saw plans of the new pool then. And we're just almost finishing it now. So that's how long <laughs> it's taken to get there. Wow. But um, we finally, I don't want to use the word convinced, but that's the only one that seems to fit. We, we convinced the city, the, the population, the homeowners in the area um, that not only is it the history that you guys have mentioned for years and years and years of great swimming and diving, but there's events that come there annually. There's, there's people that come and we bring in a lot of income, not necessarily for the city budget, but for the city of Fort Lauderdale, hotels, heads and beds, restaurants, uh, uh, rental cars, all those things that add up to millions of dollars over a year with swimming events, diving events, now high diving events. Um, yeah. uh, and so we convinced them that if you're going to do this, we need a uh, state-of-the-art facility. You can't just build the average one because in another 10 years, it won't be average. It's going to be below average. So we got to exceed the expectations. Um, during that time, we changed CEOs of the museum, the International Swimming Hall of Fame Museum. The new CEO um, was looking for sponsors. Like that's what museums do. That's part of their job. And uh, he wanted to talk to Red Bull because they were in cliff diving and talk to them and basically said, hey, if we, you know, like a, like a field of dreams, if we build it, will you come? And they really couldn't give us an answer, but, you know, suggested that, and we did too, as, as a USA Diving members, um, it's going to be in the Olympics, I believe, someday, whether it's the next one, the next two, the next, whatever. It, it, it's incredibly popular. Um, and uh, if we're going to build a facility and spend that kind of money, why not do it? Why not get ready? If it's an Olympic event, we're, we're all, we're above, we're ahead of the curve. We're not behind it. We're ahead of it. So that's kind of how it evolved And the city managers and the city councilmen jumped right on it and said, let's do it. Let's build it. Yeah. Heath, uh, just out of order, I'm going to, switch to the next question and then you can ask yours after, but you mentioned high diving and the potential for it to be in the Olympics. And I agree with you. I think it's just a matter of when, not if, but where do you see high diving going? Not only in the United States, but in, you know, across the, across the world as well. It's tough because it's real new to me. Um, someone like Stephen LeBou or, uh, um, and David uh, Colturi could probably answer all this better than I can. But um, when Red Bull for first started, I was, I don't know if I was fortunate or unfortunate enough <laughs> to be the president of USA Diving on, and on the board of directors. And uh, it was, I think it was just after my presidency, but I was still on the board. I suggested then, before we had a high tide tower anywhere in this country, that we start holding high dive national championships. Um, and we haven't yet. Um, but I think if we want this to take off, um, we need to start doing that. Uh, FINA has approved uh, age group high diving. I think they're allowed to go up to 15 meters. So we have that. Um, 
And that's why we built what we did. We kind of asked, what, what do you think the future is going to bring? And um, I think that, you know, if you look at the divers in our country that dove Red Bull or dive Red Bull, went through a pretty serious college programs. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, they were divers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what the avenue is going to end up being is they've got to take lessons. They got to go through high school. They got to still go through all the stuff that we know, except there might be a short, not a shortcut, but a, you know, I don't really want to go to the Olympics for three meter tower. I want to go for high diving. And then maybe when you're 14, 15, 16, you're doing 15 meter instead of practicing, but you've learned your basics and, now a high dive expert or, uh, you know, those guys now on uh, YouTube and Instagram doing eight flips on a tramp and yeah. hundred and thousand twists, yeah. you know, where the, those guys <laughs> or girls might be great high dive yeah. people. Who, who knows? But uh, until we get the word out and we, we are able to see things on the, the so, not only social media, but I think TV will start picking up stuff like that. Uh, locally, in, you know, in not Florida, but I mean, locally in the U.S. instead of just around the world, it'll bring popularity back. Yeah. Yeah. I think you nailed it on that. That last part there too is, you know, diving as itself, it's not necessarily the most spectator sport in the world. You know, people don't know what they're looking at. People don't know what their, what their critique is. You know, if you see a great dive, you expect a 10 and you see an eight, you're like, well, what the heck did he do wrong? Right. Whereas this high dive, man, it's so exciting and it's way up there and they're doing crazy stuff. Again, you don't know what they're doing, but it's at such a height and such an impact that you're like, this is crazy. And I like it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you, you hear the funny jokes about the reason people go to a, a, a car race or an auto race is to see the crash. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 you know, so, I mean, we don't want to see that, but you're, you're almost like, how are they going to survive even just going straight in? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've got, I mean, if you find an eight story building in your area, <laughs> go stand yeah. on the roof of that thing and think about how the heck am I going to get down into that pool? It's not going to happen <laughs> yeah. for me. I'm walking no, down. No, thanks. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, man, those, well, it's, it's a sight. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, we're with you. We're walking down as well. Um, (laughs) You know, so, so going back to the facility, if say, uh, whether it's club teams from out of the state or college teams that want to do training trips, how would they go about, you know, taking advantage of that new facility? Again, I'd have to, we haven't had those specific meetings yet with all the staff at the pool, Um, but it's the city's decision, not mine or the swim coaches. Um, the only thing that is, has been good for us is, is, uh, the program operators is we usually get first right of refusal. In other words, if yep. someone wants to rent the pool, oh, we want to come in 10 to 12 on Monday. I get a call, Dave, are you using the pool 10 to 12? If I say yes, do you want them to share with you? If I say no, we're full. Okay. We'll tell them they can come another time. That's awesome. So that's been good, but yeah, it's just going to be, uh, I don't know what the rate is. Um, yep. I know it was pretty low in the past, <laughs> something like, uh, five to $10 a day per kid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> feel like, feel like you guys could be making way more money off that <laughs> new facility. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's going to stick that way, but, <laughs> um, and, uh, if you're in the local area, 
the rules in the past, again, I don't know what's going to happen, where you could rent the facility, but only twice a month. Okay. And that was um, um, our, the, the city's feeling is we're the ones that spent millions of dollars to build this facility, mm -hmm. to have a 10 meter in our facility. And if you only got two one meters and two three meters and your kids wants to dive tower, it probably should be on our team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're looking at it as a business. Where yep. diving coaches, I look at it as I don't care if they come. Yep. I can care less if they use our tower. I'm going to coach <laughs> my kids. You're going to coach your kids. But that's <laughs> yep. not the way it works out there in the real world, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, kind of circling back to a little bit of high dive topic is, uh, you know, with the popularity of Red Bull and high dive coming, do you ever think that we're going to see more feet first dives on three meter, like playing that degree of difficulty game? I know we had uh, Matt O'Neill. He, he kind of thought about that a little bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron. I think he was talking about like reverse double three and a half twist is like three something on three meters. Like if you have a kid that can spot and, you know, do those certain skills, like Branny out of it, is that worth doing? Do you think that's something we might see moving forward? It's a great question. I mean, we might. My, my second reaction is I hope not. Yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> um, because, uh, I, I mean, if you look at our judging now, and I think they're doing the best they can, mm -hmm. If you do a great front double compared to a great front two and a half, you're not scoring as high on that front double. Yep. yep. I mean, you could go straight in. You could be just as high. It could be, I mean, if you really look at it uh, scientifically or mechanically or whatever, they're pretty close to the same. They're not getting the same scores. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, I think that's just a tradition that could change over time. I just think it would take a while. Yeah. Um, I could see it maybe more on – hour mm -hmm. but again i would hope not um yep. i mean we used to do you know like cut throughs to your feet <laughs> yep and they foot rip because no one knew how to hand rip at the time and it was like oh my god that was incredible <laughs> but that's gone i i just i would just hope not i mean i'd hate to say um man i don't know yeah it seems it's like if you start getting to that many flips and that many twists it gets more dangerous to be, you have to be straighter up and closer yep. to the board to make them. Yep. Yep. You yeah. got to go higher. You got to do things. And at some point there's got to be a risk and reward evaluation here. Yep. Um, I mean, there, we're getting there. I, we're getting there anyway, in my opinion, you know, gain a three and a half spike. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was diving, we were like, how can dive get any harder than this? <laughs> we're doing gainer two and a half talk on three. Gator two and a half on ten. On ten. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, people are getting making cranks and flips. Yeah, it was it was fun to listen to you here uh, talk about feet first entries. I'm I'm with you. It sounds like we're all kind of old school. We just we like the way that it looks hands first, and I'm very much that way. There was one uh, one division two nationals meet, I believe, actually. He was from Clarion. He it might have been Carrie, where oh, he yeah, did yeah. he did back double pike and and, and reverse double pike on, on three, three meter. meter. And you know, all of us judges, we we did our thing, but all of us kind of scratching our heads. Why is he doing doubles? And you know, yeah. he did them incredibly well, but he probably only got six, six and a half. 
And we went into our little judges meeting afterwards to kind of evaluate all the dives and, oh yeah, you know, I missed the twist on that one, that kind of thing. And one guy says, why are we hammering this kid's double? And we all kind of said, well, you know, it's feet first. It, it, it's, it just looks, it just looks different. It's weird. And he said a really good question. He said, why though? It's really good. And it's amazing. And he's foot ripping it and his position is beautiful and his tops are great. Like what is wrong with it? Why are we not giving it an eight? And we all kind of stopped and we're like, you know, you're not really wrong. It's just, it's a double. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I think the DD, and I don't know what a gainer double pike is on three. Oh, I don't even know. <clears throat> but the gainer two and a half to go straight in is harder. Mm-hmm. And, it oh, might yeah. be low, and it might be lower DD. So why do a two and a half if you can do a double better? And, and then the next question is, is, is this kid want to go on and have a future in diving? Because yes. that's not going to cut it at the NC2A level either. Yep. Right. Um, right. That's not going to cut it at hardly any higher level event. Yep. Except for a 27 meter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to fly out and add a couple thousand twists. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, from what I understand, we've had a few high school state champions in Florida that have done all feet first entries. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Back double, gainer double, front double, inward double, uh, front flip, double twist, you know, that back flip, two and a half twist, all feet first. Wow. Um, and uh, just max the DD out because everyone else is doing back one and a half uh, and so on. And uh, I, could be wrong, but I've heard through the grapevine that and I don't know if it's through the whole state of, I mean, the whole country or just the state of Florida. They've lowered all feet first DD in the rule book. Yep. yep. They did that. That was so across that, the country. Yep. Yeah. So, so that couldn't, ha- so that wouldn't happen. So obviously, you know, the people in the diving community in every aspect, high school, AAU, U.S. diving, Olympics, think a dive is not a feet first entry. Yeah. Yep. I, yep. I tell my kids feet first is a trick hands first is a dive. Right. Right. Um, okay. Moving on here, <clears throat> when it comes to running the business of a diving program, what are some things that you struggle with? Uh, some things that you really enjoy. We don't talk a whole lot about the business part of a diving team, but that's obviously a huge part of it. You know, balancing the fact of, Hey, we need to get some things done. I'm going to kick you in the butt a little bit, kid, but I really don't want you to leave because you're kind of part of my salary. You know, how do you, right. how do you balance some of those, uh, some of those business sides? Um, well, the balance has to come from, um, what motivates you as a coach. Um, I remember years and years ago when I first started coaching that, uh, I wasn't very wealthy, and, but I was pretty successful coaching diving. And someone said to me, that, you know, you're not very good at your job. And I go, what are you talking about? You know, well, you don't make much money. And I said, well, I'm real good at my job. It just doesn't pay well. I said, but money doesn't motivate me. How my divers dive is what motivates me. Obviously, you got to make enough money to live. Um, and that's to me where the business crosses the road here. How much do you charge for your goods? How much 
how much does someone pay a lesson? How much does someone pay a month? How much does someone pay an annual fee? How much? That's that's tough because, uh, especially in South Florida, um, I've probably have uh, one, two, three, four, five to six clubs within an hour of each other. So if they don't like me or my price they're going somewhere else pretty quick where if the closest program to you is four or five hours away, they're not leaving very fast. They're going to stick around to your program. So you can get away with a little more, even though I'm not saying you should beat them up by any means, but (laughs) you know, you might be able to charge 50 bucks more a month and not lose a kid where if, if club a is my club and I'm charging a hundred bucks a week for, or a month for one day a week lessons, and club B is a half hour drive up the road and they're paying 25 bucks a month. I might not have many kids. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta do some homework. You gotta look at what value do I bring? What value does my facility bring? What value does, uh, is everyone else getting out there? What it's, it, that's the tough one for me. And then the hardest thing for me, once I figure that out is when, a diver of someone I know or a, a child of someone I know, we want to come and work out with you for a week. How much is it? Yeah. It's really hard for me to tell you yeah. this much money because you're my, yeah, it, it, to me, it, again, it goes back to the city thing for their rent versus my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, obviously I got to make money. Obviously I've, but do I really have to charge this person? To, you know, <laughs> right. That's that. And if you're a businessman, no, everyone's paying. I'll give a freebie when I want to give a freebie, but everybody's paying. And that's a tough one for me personally. But I think if you want to run a business, you got to realize that um, it's a business. It's not just uh, a mom and pop country club, recreational league diving pool party. It's a business and you got to figure out the cost of that business. How much does it cost you to run it a month? How much is time do you spend a month? How much, uh, how much pool rental do you have to pay and figure out your pricing and then figure out what everybody else is charging and are you high or low or in between? And it becomes a, a game out there. Yeah. The one, the one that I start, I just, I don't do much up here. Um, uh, we just do a couple of things in the summer during our summer waiver period, just to get our, get people on the board, get excited about diving in the summertime. And the one I struggle with is, Hey, you know, I have, I have my son or daughter and then their brother or sister, you know, is there a, is there a second kid discount? And I'm like, I can't really tell you, no, like I want you guys in the pool. You're, you're awesome. I'm excited to coach you and, and they're going to get a lot better. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's, there's, there's always kind of something and it, you know, you want to have those kids in the pool because they're fun to coach and you want to, you want to make them better. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough because um, it's the same kind of reasoning I was just giving because, but the way, if you're a true, true business person, which I'm not, I went to college for education, not business. Um, The person that's just one that pays the full price from another family you got now have two kids from another family. So they're outnumbered two to one. You follow me? So, so Jim is paying a hundred bucks a month 
from family A. Family B's got Susie and Sally. They're paying 150, but they're taking up twice the time. Why are they only getting one and a half times the billing? Mm -hmm. I'm only taking up a third of the time. Can I only pay a third? <laughs> I mean, where does it, where do you draw right. the line? And, yep. and, I, the, and again, in a business, it's, you know, if you go to a, a, a 7-Eleven and buy a six pack of Coke, you don't get the second one free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pay full price. Yep. Very true. So, um, you know, as we transition here, to this, this question before our signature questions, Dave, you've had an amazing career up to this point. Like when I scroll through Fort Lauderdale and it says, you know, 30 senior national gold medalists, 50, I think it's like, like it, the resume is huge. You know, what do you feel is something you do well as a coach or, and, or advice for younger coaches that you wish younger coaches heard more and would take from you and, and apply it to where they're at. Wow. Um, I didn't start off this way, uh, but I've turned into, um, this type of coach. And I think it's been more successful than the way I started. And that was, like I said before, is I used to be pretty mean. It used to be my way or the highway. And there was no if, ands or buts or maybes or no second chances. If you balked one too many times, I never saw you again. You were dead to me. Get out. You know, not really. <laughs> if I saw him at a meet, I'd say hi and how's it going and root for him. But they weren't in my program anymore. And uh, it, it created a great atmosphere, believe it or not, of divers that really wanted to train hard because they didn't want to get kicked out. Um, then I got married and had a stepson who was a diver. And... Uh, went to a university and said that he really likes his dive coach. And I said, why? And he goes, because he's also my friend. Huh. And, and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, he doesn't hang out with us. He doesn't take us to dinners. He doesn't do that, but I know he's got my back. I mean, no matter what, Damn. I mean, if I was in, you know, in a car wreck and you guys didn't answer the phone, I could call him and he would be there. I could, do this and he would be now you're obviously talking about an older person that's out of high school yeah but and also safe sport regulations that you got to follow and understand but you can still be there no matter what for them um as as their mentor not as mm -hmm. not necessarily as their best friend yeah. but um you know how school going mm -hmm. Someone you know has a poor family life. How's things at home? I mean, you're, if they don't want to tell you, they're not going to tell you. Yep. At least they know, you know, this guy really cares about me. Not whether I want a diving meet, not whether I win a state championship or whatever. He cares about me. Now, and it's, and it's you can't do it falsely. It's got to come from the heart. Now, they want to dive not only for them and for their parents or whatever their motivation is, I can't let this guy down. He's doing everything he can to help me. Yeah. It has that little extra motivation in there. And, and I seem to, I personally think that works better than the other way. Um, yeah. I've seen some great coaches that don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. I, I live better that way. I can sleep better at night. <laughs> um, 
the best advice that I got before I started coaching, <laughs> I can tell you one is a joke and one is real. One of them we'll, was we'll don't get it. one of them was don't get into cow coaching. That was one <laughs> that, I that I didn't listen to. <laughs> um, and the other one was um, when you make your team rules, your team policies, your your whatever it is, even if you only have one or if you have 101, it doesn't matter how many you have, but the ones you have, make sure before you make them a policy or a rule that no matter who on your team breaks it, they're going to get the same punishment as everybody else. Yeah. You can't, you can't tell little Johnny that, you know, you balk three times you're out and you're stud balk 10 times. No, that's right. Keep going. It doesn't work. Yep. So if you don't want to punish your best diver for something like that, don't have the policy. Yep. Just don't do it. Yep. Um, and I think that was one of the best ones. The second one that ranks right up there in my mind that I still haven't forgot is when you make a decision, realize that you made the best decision you could make with all the information you had available. Period. Don't second guess. Don't, oh man, I shouldn't have done it that way. Because now that second guess, you've already received more information than you had before. Yep. Whether it was the person got mad, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But you didn't know that before. So you still made the best decision. You might not ever make that decision that way again, but you've received more information. So you, yep. no matter what decision you made, don't second guess it learn from it and move on, but you didn't make the wrong one. I like that. <clears throat> I like that a lot. We're going to move into our signature questions here. One of my, uh, my, my first one here is, you know, we, we use failure um, in a, in a positive way as an opportunity for growth. Um, so what is your favorite failure or uh, your best opportunity for growth along your journey? Oof. I don't even know if I can answer that. There's been so many. <laughs> Where do I start? Um, well, I, I mean, it's, I don't know if I totally get where you want me to start with this, but I mean, if you just even look at my first year of diving, here I am, tried out, made the team. And the way I made the team was whoever was the first uh, first year athlete on the team to learn reverse dive, you made the team. So I was the first one. And I swore to God I did a gainer triple, but it was only a reverse dive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that first year in the city, not, we're not talking state, we're talking city championships with all our little junior high schools. I failed to dive and I was last. That's how I started my career. I ended my career making an Olympic team. Um, and there were many ups and downs in the middle. Um, and and I, what I keep telling my athletes is, um, you are already further along than I was when I was your age. And look at what I was able to accomplish. And if you want the same thing, you're capable of doing the same thing. And I think that's kind of the, 
the lesson that I learned through my, my whole diving career is things didn't always work out the way I wanted them to. Um, things, I didn't win the, every event that I thought I could have won. I didn't, uh, probably didn't even win any of the ones I thought I probably should have won. <laughs> um, but um, you got to pick yourself up and your dream is still alive or your goals are still there. And uh, I mean, if you look at, if, if you thank God the YouTube wasn't around, but if you looked at some of my videos, when I first started to dive, there is no way any coach out there would have ever dreamed I would have been an Olympian. No way. I was turning a quarter turn on reverse dives. I was doing gainer flips with, I don't even know, cross legs and looked like I was sitting in a chair. And I mean, it was horrible. <clears throat> and then uh, just, like I said, got the right coaching, got the right vibes, got the right frame of mind and just kept getting better and it paid off. And now it's not going to pay off for everybody, but what does pay off is the work will be worth it somehow some way you're going to get rewarded we can't tell you what it is because we don't know but you're going to get rewarded so and then the other one i think was the boycott at the olympics when i made the team in 80 when president carter um suggested strongly that we boycott the olympic games because of kind of ironic now so yeah yeah yeah, wow. It invaded Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, Russia is invading someone else. But, yeah. Um, and um, what that taught me besides heartbreak was no matter what, no matter what, nothing is for sure. So you've always got to be prepared that even that one thing you think is not always going to pay off or always going to. No, it might not. It might not. It might. I mean, you look at the Olympics every four years. Oops. Yep. Not 80 for the U.S. team. So, and then in 84, not for the Soviet Union. They didn't come. So, it's just this, you know, you can plan your best. You can do your best. But be, be ready for everything. Well, yeah. even in 2022, we had to delay exactly. it a year. Exactly. You know, exactly. I'm sure that I'm sure that costed a couple of the, you know, I, I, for lack of a better word, the older Olympians that, you know, this was their last chance. Did they continue to train for a year? Did they get bumped out because of that extra year? And then again, you know, provided another opportunity for some of the younger kids, you know, would, would Tyler Downs have made it in 2020? Maybe not. We don't know. Would, yeah. would, would Haley Hernandez have made it? Uh, you're hundred percent correct. I mean, that, um, <clears throat> when I, when I was, when I saw that happening, um, I can't remember if I think I did a podcast with USA diving around that time. And that's kind of what I said, yeah. is, you know, Hey, if you're an older athlete, it's going to be tough because you kind of have your mindset. Like I, I did in 84, I tried again in 84 because I couldn't go in 80 and <clears throat> just happened to be that on the day of the finals for three meter at the Olympic trials in 84 uh, was exactly my birthday, my 30th birthday. <laughs> So I knew going in that I was going to remember that birthday the rest of my life, either as not making the Olympic team or making the Olympic team. <laughs> I was going to remember my 30th birthday. And, uh, and so you plan that. And if that all of a sudden it got changed to another year, I, I think I'd have quit. 
I would have, I, I, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. I've already spent how many years and, you know, I got to find a real job. I got to buy a house. I got to do, I mean, I'm just a freaking athlete wearing a speedo around the pool deck. I'm an idiot. You know? <laughs> so, so um, it would have been hard. So there's uh, uh, bravo to those who stuck with it, whether they made it or not. Again, the, the reward, if they haven't got it, they're going to get it. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my final signature question here, I, I changed it on you a little from the outline. Usually I ask people in the USA diving world, uh, what can USA diving do to improve? You know, obviously we, uh, we kind of need USA diving in, in the country to succeed. That's kind of our feeder program for our Olympians. What can we do to just improve on that in your opinion? Man, I can get in so much trouble right now. <laughs> so, some people, um, some people have given us answers that might get them in trouble. That's for sure. Some people have been uh, tough on this one. Well, as much as success and demand that the AAU has had for diving, how much problem would we be in if they didn't exist? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying they should go away, but that's one of the things that kind of divided the country. It's kind of, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is a joke, kind of like uh, our, our last couple presidents have kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, for real. But, but it, I do see a place for them. I just don't, um, I just think it's, it, it's a butthead situation. And then the other thing is, in my opinion, and this is without me bringing anything else involved, but my opinion, I think some of the administrators and elected officials on our board for several years now, and maybe even when I got elected and I just was too blind to see it, we changed things because we thought change was better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was. If you go back and like your talk with Ron O'Brien, we were kicking butt. Yeah. We were taking names and what was wrong with that? Yeah. Why did we move away from what we had and why we do things? I mean, now we have a winter nationals in December, just before Christmas, and we have a summer nationals in August. How do you periodize the training cycles of learning dives, training dives, off-season, resting, weights, when the nationals are, you got to train year-round every month. We used to have them in April and August. So after August, you could take some time off, rest, come back and train, 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 do your basics, do your this, do that, do that, get a nationals. But I don't know why it was broken. I don't know why it got changed. And I don't really care, to be honest with you. Um, You adapt. Uh, uh, Jeff Schaefer, one of my best friends and and colleague, his coaches, and now at um, Auburn, once he and I were sitting at a convention talking about the rules, and I was getting pretty fried at some of the rules that were getting changed. I'm like, why are we doing this? This is the most ridiculous thing anybody's ever come up with. And he looked over to me and said, Dave, it doesn't matter what the rules are. The good coaches are still going to win. That's true. If everyone follows the rules, the ones that do it best are going to win. Yep. 
So, I mean, I, so it doesn't really matter to me whether it's December and, and this, but uh, what are the reasons? I think the membership needs to know why are we doing this? Why, why, um, and I don't know if, if you listen to, uh, maybe did it on your show. Lee Mashad mm-hmm. talked about um, Indian River. No, that was on yep. USA Diving. Yeah, Why we talked about there? that with him as well. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got Fort Lauderdale that's an hour and a half, two hours away. It's built. They don't have to raise any money. Yep. Just come park your tent, you know? Yep. And I mean, am I in favor of new pools and new high dives and new opportunities for diving? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I've been hearing for the last four, five, six, ten years that we got no money. Yep. How can we do this if we got no money? How can we do that if we have no money? How do we get money? And then the other thing I, I feel is the board of directors, as good or bad as they might be, as knowledgeable as they most most of them are, or all of them are, uh, I don't feel they should be in charge of some of the things they're in charge of. Rules for one thing. There's some people on the board that have to be independents, which means they don't know anything about diving. And they're going to yeah. tell me how, what rules to follow. Yeah. I don't buy that. And it's not, again, the coaches that read the rules that are better coaches that have better divers are going to win no matter what the rules are. Mm-hmm. But, but we need to be smart. And what I mean by that is, Canada, for example, and this was maybe a few years ago. I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but they would look at their senior program, their international program. Um, Why aren't we succeeding in getting more medals at the international level? What is it? And they had a committee sit down and not a committee of 20, probably a committee of three. Mm -hmm. So they didn't all have to hear themselves talk and spend days and weeks and months, but they figured out that the Canadians didn't know how to do X, Y, and Z, which I believe at the time, not anymore, was kick, kick flat on backs and gainers, hollow hold, look back, line up, mm-hmm. for an example. They didn't do very good, whatever, inwards, let's say. So they changed the age group rules to make sure those kids got taught to do those things so that when they got older, they knew how to do them. Yep. To me, that's the way you change rules. Um, you don't just change them because we want to meet in January instead of December. Yep. That doesn't mean anything. That's not helping the goal of Olympic medals, in my opinion. Um, so that, that, that just to make change, um, I just don't get it. But I'll support them. I, I, I've only been to two or three AAU meets um, since I've been a coach. Now, I've gone to a lot more when I was an athlete because USA Diving didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. I get all my medals are AAU medals um, until the Ted Stevens Sports Act of Congress made the AAU not eligible for uh, the MGB. And that's why this whole thing split. Uh, and there wasn't AAU diving for a long time until uh, uh, some, someone brought it back and it exploded, which that's great. I mean, we need divers. Yeah. I just, I'd rather see country club and high school explode. Mm-hmm. 
That's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say the, uh, the rules change at a young, at a young level. Um, I'm from Minnesota, as everybody knows, and hockey is just King here and USA hockey actually changed the rule. That was pretty pivotal. And, and there's a whole uproar about it. They're there. They took away the icing penalty. I bear with me. If you're not a hockey person, they took away the icing penalty. If you're on a penalty kill. And the rule, or the way they did that, the reason they did that was so people would play the puck and they would skate with it and they would learn to control it rather than just dumping it across the ice and having it Someone just go changed. that way. Yeah. They, they, they changed it so that the athletes would learn better fundamentals, learn how to skate. And then obviously once they get older, you know, I know NCAA, I know high school, I know there, there still is that normal. You can dump the puck out of your zone. Right. You can shoot, and, you can ice it if you're, uh, if you're down a man. Yep. Yep. yep exactly. And, and like I said, it's just caused an uproar in our, in our community. I mean, there's people that come in. I, we run a hockey store as well and they're coming in and they're like so fired up about this icing room. Like guys, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you here, <laughs> but, but man, that, you know, I know I, you're really fired up about it, but it, that's exactly where it starts. And that's where yeah. things spark from is, is the young age. And then at some point when you're in the NCAA scene or, you know, Olympic scene, the goal I'm sure is now, you know what to do. Now you're better prepared for those higher levels. Yeah. 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 I, I think uh, where my brain went, whenever you had mentioned like uh, what Canada did was actually thinking back to our interview with Jason Bauman, when he's like, you should read the rule book. And what is getting judged? So that way, as a coach, you can always remind yourself that these things are getting judged. And it's like, ah, like that's so simple. Like, yeah, why don't we do that every year? Just to remind ourselves those things. Like, I looked at my my one female athlete, and I'm like, she missed like reverse one and a half a little long. I'm like, Alexa, that's okay. You had a beautiful hurdle. You stepped down. You reached up. Your kick look reach was beautiful. You just missed it long. Like, it's still going to be right. a solid scoring dive. Right. So. But, but hearing you say that, it's like, oh, like that makes so much sense that Canada would do that. If that's what they thought they were weak at, like, let's change what we're teaching, what we're judging, how we're doing it, because then when they become international athletes for us, they're ready to go and they right. can see and they can see the results now, which is great to see. Right. And, and not only that, I, I believe they had a, a meeting then with the judges. Mm -hmm. If you see this kind of come out versus this kind of come out, this one's got to score better than that one. Oh, that's awesome. Because now it's getting rewarded wow. if you're doing it right, even if you go over. Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying? So yeah, they're looking great. at how you because in the long run, it's going to be a better dive. You just yep. missed it over or whatever. Yep. That's, and, that's great. And, and to me, is <laughs> I thought of this about a month ago. I, I don't even know why it came up, but it seems to me that we as Americans, not even in the sport of diving necessarily, but as a country. We can't, we, we can't train harder, so we're going to train smarter. To me, that's an excuse that you don't want to train harder. How do you train smarter than someone who's training harder? Training harder <laughs> is the smartest thing to do. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yep. yeah, you can be smart about it like the Canadians were. We're going to institute rules. Now, that's smart. Mm -hmm. But now it gets down to who's going to work harder to get that yep. stuff. So you got to have both. It can't just be smarter. Yeah. And, and I hate to blame any group of people because I don't. I've been in those trenches. I know it's not the easy game. But if you look at the dives that other countries that are successful are doing versus 
our divers that, <clears throat> that aren't as successful, we're behind. Mm -hmm. How many of our guys in the Olympics did back three and a half on three meters? One. Out of two. Yep. How many of the top three? How many of the top three, four, or five did? All, all of them. All of them. <laughs> yep. Front four and a half. All of them. Back yep. three, or gain of three and a half. Yep. yep. I mean, and then you can go on to girls. You know, I mean, Laura Wilkinson back when she won her, after she won her gold medal, learned back three and a half pike for crying out. <laughs> yeah. Now we have hardly any girls doing back three and a half talk. Yeah. And, and I know it's, you can only teach them what you can teach them. You can only yeah. get them ready for what they're ready for. And if you're not as good an athlete as someone who can do a harder dive, as I've been told a lot over my career, you can't put in what God left out. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. one. That's a good one. So I, I can't, I can't put in speed if you don't have yep. speed. Can't That's a put really in strength good one. If you don't have strength. I can make it a little quicker. I can give you a little more strength, but I can't give you what you need. Um, so it's not, I don't know whose fault it is. It might not be a fault, but we're not finding the right athletes or something because all these other countries seem to be able to do it. And we don't. One thing that Ron O'Brien touched on too, we asked him, what's the difference between, you know, let's just call it the golden age of diving. And now, and he said, you know, the, the technique in the air is, is not quite as good as it used to be, but the entries are better. And, you know, obviously the entries, the last thing people see, it seems like, you know, we might be focusing more on that. And then we turn a blind eye to a split tuck with flat feet. And I've, I've just, I've, really kind of made it my mission to coach good tuck positions after seeing most recently just so many bad tuck positions yeah that that's tough i, I don't know maybe you're getting to it later but you said something in your email to me about skills and yeah mm -hmm. um and there's too many that's uh, i mean in my opinion from first four or five years of diving should only be skills but we don't do that mm -hmm. and we don't do that for a reason and that's to keep the kid in the sport number one number two to get him to go to meet so you hook him a little more oh i got a ribbon oh i got a trophy oh i got a and they keep coming back but man you ask a lot of the other countries out there how many invitationals do you have what's an invitation <laughs> yeah they're going they're practicing they're learning that stuff when they're 10, 11 years old or doing it already because they learned it when they were five. I don't know, but we're, we're just, we, we say we got to train smarter and then we don't. Mm -hmm. we, 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 we teach a, a, a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old the hardest dive they can do, the best they can do and hope it's good enough to win. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's in the long run, we're not building a, 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 a structure that's going to hold under pressure and I don't know how to make it better. I just know that that's what I try to do. My assistant coaches help me doing that. And um, I don't have a big team right now because of our situation. So it's easier to do. I'm not coaching a hundred kids and wondering how the heck am I going to get them all where I need to get them. But yep. um, it's uh, there's a, 
inherent problem in our sport in this country because of all the opportunities, I think. You got to get a college scholarship. You got to win your high school state meet. You got to, you got to, whatever. You know, you got to, you got to, you got to, got I got to go to junior nationals. And when I was uh, working with USA Diving as the junior high performance director, I started a list and I was doing it by hand because it was never written down anywhere of how many age group national champions we had under the age of 14. So 13 and unders all the way down to however young they were made an Olympic team. Very few. Hmm. So I know why we care. I got some good divers that are going to do well at that age. I, pre I want them to go. I want them to get all the fun and the benefits out of the sport. But if you look at them as what's best for them in their career, maybe it's not doing that. Right. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. But just teaching them all the drills and all the things and all the, is it boring? Yeah. But you, you can you look at the best basketball players in the world. You look at the best hockey players in the world. Man, they got six skills. Mm -hmm. They can handle that puck better than I can handle my own feet. I'm serious. They, they can pick it up off the ice and whip it around them, and I, you lose track of it. Mm -hmm. and it's still on their stick. It's just insane. But I don't have the answer, but I'm worried about the problem. Yeah. You know, I, I think it just kind of honestly goes back to us as a country, just that instant gratification. And I'm guilty of it as well. You know, you got a young kid who's really talented and he's like, man, I want to try front two and a half. And it's like in my head. Yeah, I know he's going to make it. He's not going to hurt himself, but is that really the right move? And, <laughs> and it's, it's just that, you know, they, they want to be great. They want to try these cool things. And you're like, all right, well, the hurdle's a little jacked up. You know, your arms aren't really fully extended, but whatever. Yeah, you're going to make it. Yeah. And then, they, and then they come out half pipe because they're not making it very high. Now you got to spend two years fixing the come out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a vicious circle and cycle, and it's hard to know. And that's why you also see a cycle of good coaches and good programs come up and go away and come up and yeah. go away throughout the country is because of that. I think, you know, they have a kid that's real talented at 11. They do well at 11, 20, 12, 13. They're not doing as well. 14, 15. Now they're learning the big guns and they're not doing well. And all of a sudden everything that training's caught up with in 16, 18, they're incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, it just, you don't know. And, and that's why it's hard to, Who's willing to tell a parent or a kid that's 10, you're not going to a meet until you're 14. Yep. That's tough. Real tough. Yeah. Real tough. <laughs> Especially when everybody else in the world is coming home with some hardware. Yeah. You know? So you gotta you gotta figure in, and, and that's part of US diving madness or rules that they have, if you want to call them madness, but I don't think it is completely. But you know, you have to do it tuck dive at a certain age or you have to do one tuck one pipe because it's or you can't get over a certain dd on your optionals because they don't want you just chucking a bad dive getting a five and beating someone who's doing a back one and a half for sixes and you beat them because you're doing a 3.0 back to a yeah. pipe for the fours yeah i get that but it's not 
I don't think it's working. Yep. Something else. We got to figure something else out. It's a great idea. It's a great theory. It's a great, but I don't know if it's working. I really don't know. Actually, what I think it's doing is it brings the, how do I say this politically correct? It brings the kid with less talent closer to the person with talent because they have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no spread anymore. It's yep. real close. Yep. And if you get lucky and do a good dive, if you, you could win. And luck shouldn't be a part of it. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's real tough. But the answers are out there. Like I said, in my opinion, you look at – well, China we've known for years. But you look at even all the other countries that are coming up in the girls' events and the boys' events, they're doing something. They're catching yep. up quick. And if we don't ask, if we don't send someone there and spy for something, <laughs> we got to figure something out. It, it, I mean, we have great divers in this country. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I mean, the Olympians we have, the Olympians at home, or the Olympic trials qualifiers that almost made it, they're, they're incredible athletes. Mm-hmm. Incredible. But now when you compare them to the world, they're not quite all the way where they should be. And I don't know why, because I don't train them. I don't yep. watch them. I don't know what the reasons, maybe the reasons are they're, you know, the kids are just better. I, I don't know. Or they just go bad that week. I don't know. But somewhere if we're, um, and this came from Ron O'Brien, this was another one of those things he told me about my teams. He goes, Dave, if you have a team, whether it's 10 divers or whatever, go to a meet and all 10 divers or nine divers, but dive great. And one diver doesn't dive very well. It's that kid's fault. That kid had a bad day. That kid did something wrong. That kid. Now, if you go to a meet with 10 and nine have a bad day, and one <laughs> goes great, it's your fault. Yeah. That's coaching. Yeah. That kid had a great day in spite of you, but the other ones you did something wrong. You better reevaluate. I just think something, and it could be something simple, we're doing wrong because I believe we have the talent to be as competitive as always. I really do. And I don't know about you guys, but I know in my area, and I'm not talking about college, I'm talking about age group programs. Most of them now train less than five or less days a week. Yeah. Never happened when I was training. Yeah. It was at least six days a week, at least. And then in the summers, it was twice a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. And I know the NC2A rules are so many hours of mandating, and I know that, but I don't understand why an age group program that has a coach that wants to be successful would only come in, if they have the pool time, would only come in four days a week or five days yeah. a week. Train your kids. I don't know. And my question is, if you don't want to go in, five days is enough. I go in before school and after school. It's 10 workouts. That's enough. Well, okay. Do you think it is? But why did you want to do this sport? Why did you want to be a coach? I mean, you look at some of the best basketball coaches, football coaches. During season, I don't even know if they go home. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to be a good coach, if you want to have a great team, even if it's one kid, that's all you got. 
you got to put in time, effort, dedication. Yeah. Um, you got to study. You got to realize what's going on. And just because you see one thing happening doesn't mean uh, it could be something else that's causing that to happen. You know, like legs coming apart at the end of a twister. It might not be how they're scoring out. It might be how they're starting. You got to figure that out. You got to use sideline scout and figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of going here into the next three is, uh, you know, as a coach, what's your favorite drill to do with your athletes? It can be dry land, water, whatever you prefer, but your favorite drill. I don't think I have one to be honest, but in, in the light of our conversation today, I, my favorite one is lineups because they all have to rip. Yep. I don't like it. I hate coaching it because it's so hard. Number one, because so many little things have to happen at the right time for it to happen. And to convey that to somebody, especially a young athlete that doesn't have the capacity to understand it all. It's really difficult. Um, I just think that we just don't spend enough time on any drill. I mean, I like, I think all, and mine don't, and, and it's because of me and not them. I just don't want to fight with them anymore. So I, I'm getting too old to fight with the kids. I think they, every diver on your team at a certain age, I would say it would, if they, it depends on when they started. I mean, if they started when they were nine, I would say by 12, 13, if they started when they were 12, 13, when they're maybe 14, 15, it just all depends. But they should all be able to do front dive, back dive, reverse dive, inward dive, front tuck, pipe, straight, with the right kick out, head position. And then, of course, you've worked on lineup, so you got to add that to the mix. But um, the hurdle, that's a tough one because there's so many different kinds. Um, and you got to trial and error, just like lineups. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things I've told my kids to get them to rip that shouldn't make any difference in the world. And it works. <laughs> it's just incredible. Had That's a kid awesome. Mission, had a kid in Mission Dale, couldn't rip. We tried every drill, every lineup, everything I could think of. Grab your fingertips, grab your hand. Uh, don't grab your hand. Uh, fist it, uh, you know, punch it. Swim early, swim late, don't swim, don't pike save, pike save early, pike save slow. And finally, I ran out of things that I could think of. And I said, Chris, look at your thumb when you hit the water. <laughs> Disappeared. <laughs> Disappeared. <laughs> so I said, just look at your thumb, you're fine. And every time you look at his thumb, it rips. Now, there's no rhyme or reason for that except that put him somewhere in the right position to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've ever told anybody else that because I found another way to, to get them to do it, but that's still back there. I'm going to tell somebody that once again. Nope. <laughs> but nope. not everybody knows my secret. Don't tell me. <laughs> well, just like, but it's funny you say that because just like simple things is like we go through our season and I had a young man who he, he would just, when he finishes dodge, his feet would just come apart just ever so slightly. And I'm like, Oh, like put your toes together, put your ankles together, all this simple stuff. My coach comes in, he goes, Oh, tell him to hold a chamois between his feet whenever he does lineups. And I'm like, yeah. You made me do that. Why did I forget that? And now it's like, right. that's in the back of my mind. And it's like, Don't forget that one. Like, simple. Like, yeah. but no, I think that that makes perfect sense. It's like, you just keep trying different stuff. You got to, um, yeah. And you got to be creative. Um, 
speaking of that same thing with the Sammy is we had a diver on our team in Mission Viejo that couldn't point their feet very well. Mm-hmm. And Ron always told him, point your feet, point your feet, point your feet, stretch your feet, feel the muscles, you know, all the things that, you, that one, di- one day he just said, just relax your feet. <laughs> and they pointed. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he, you know how they're, they're, they're flat, but his toes were curled. Yep. yep. You know, like a, that's what, that's what his feet looked like. Cause they were tight. He felt like they were tight, but they weren't, yep. his ankles weren't plantar flexed or, whatever that term is. And so when he relaxed, it went right. And it's like, it's crazy what you can come yeah. up with. If you just keep trying. Well, it's almost like, I think as a coach, you almost have to like stop what you're used to saying and just, just literally say something completely different that throws the athlete off. Like if you're used to being told like point, do this, flex your muscles, do all that. And it's like, you say, relax, like, wait, what? That's the opposite of everything you've been saying, but it worked. Right. It's like, just like tricking them almost, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, you've already given out, like I've already taken a bunch of notes on advice you have here, but do you have any, <laughs> any, any other best advice you have either given or received throughout your career? Well, the best one, in my opinion, is for my athletes when they retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use myself as the example because uh, I used to dive at a, somewhere between 155 and 160 pounds. Now I would say right now I'm probably a hundred pounds heavier than that. (laughs) So what I tell them is not only did I think they had a good career, I'm happy to work with them and all the things that you say, but I give them a little wisdom. And that is, I want you to remember one thing. It's easier to stay in shape. Mm -hmm than it is to get in shape. Yep. So if you just, cause they're already in shape, they just retired. Just, you don't have to do much to keep that, but man, you get to where I am and try to lose a hundred pounds. You're working your butt off again. Yep. That's hard. And that's hard. Yep. That's, so that's where, that's where I'm that, at that's as well. One Dave. For my, and the, the other one is if I have an athlete that gets real upset, mm-hmm. um, whether they didn't make it to zones or they didn't make it to nationals, or they made it to nationals and they didn't do as good as they wanted and they're crying and they're upset and they're angry. I tell them a couple things. One is number one, remember how you feel right now. Don't let it happen again next year. Yep. Cause you don't like it. You don't like how you feel right now. And then the second one is if this was your last event in your career and you felt this way, I would go in the corner with you right now and cry with you but it's not. So pick yourself up and let's fix all this problem and we'll move on. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things I say to my athletes that have a bad day or have a bad meet or a bad season to, you know, it's not over unless you choose it to be over, but I'm not choosing it to be over. We're going to go back to the drawing board and work this out. Yeah. I like it. Um, And then my, my last question is, uh, you know, who would you like to hear us interview next? Ooh. I haven't looked at all the ones you've had, to be honest, but I've looked at a long list. You guys have been busy. We're, we're trying to um, stay busy. What would you say is your kind of um, ratio of younger to older coaches? About 50-50 or? I, 
think it's pretty well split. Maybe we've done more younger coaches, in my opinion. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I was just, uh, yeah. Boy. There's I, been a lot. We're already like, there, this, this will be our 43rd episode, which is like no, crazy to think. It's crazy to think. Listen to a lot of my, I got about an hour drive on my way home and, and to the pool every day. So I, I put it on my phone and threw my speakers in my car <laughs> yeah. and away we go. Yeah. But um, I really haven't thought about that much. It just depends on, I think what you guys feel the audience or your audience wants. Is it old wisdom? <laughs> Is it uh, br- bright, fresh ideas of, you know, uh, of a new coach that doesn't have much equipment or know what to do, but they're figuring right. it out and shared how they figured it out. Right. I think those are the things that are interesting. And, um, and I, do you, do you know if your listeners are mostly coaches or athletes? I'd, I'd have to believe most of them are coaches. I know we do get a bunch of athletes that are excited about a couple of things here and there and the athletes turn it on to their parents or even their coaches occasionally. Um, you know, the, the, the area that I think we could even do more of, um, obviously we had, you know, Andrew Capobianco on and a couple of really premier athletes, but you know, for the most part, we have been really kind of sticking to coaches. I'd, I'd yeah. love to, you know, it's hard to get those top name guys, you know, your Tyler Downs, your Jordan Rezepka's. I mean, it's tough to, to nail those guys down, but it'd be so fun to just pick the brains of some current top tier athletes. Yeah. I think e- e- even if you found some retired top tier, like Laurel Wilkinson, sure. Uh, yep. Uh, David Bedaya. Uh, yeah. And just ask them things about things you run into as a coach with your athlete. How did you get over being scared to death of diving 10 meter? Mm-hmm. How did you handle learning a new back three and a half? How did, you know, because I, I never did a back three and a half in my life. I've coached a bunch of them. I can't tell you what I thought about or was worried about when I did them. I never did them. Mm-hmm. So something like that might help not only an athlete listening, but a coach listening to understand what that athlete's going through and maybe what they can do to help them do it better. Um, and, uh, and I think there's a bunch of them out there and there's even some um, retired coaches that have coached some of those kids mm-hmm. that might be able to help you want like Jim Stilson coached uh, Scott Doney in college uh, he's retired from coaching, but maybe he could share some of his stories of how he helped coach Scott and get him, prepare him for an Olympics before, you know, he moved on to Ron O'Brien or Randy Abelman or wherever he went. I can't remember, to be honest. Right. Um, so things like that, I think, would be interesting for almost any group, coaches or athletes, to understand the process. Um, mine was a little different because I coached uh, synchro diver to the Olympics. So we had, we had to work with a group of people instead of just me and my diver. Um, But uh, uh, Jevin was pretty, he had some good coaching when he was young and learned the basics really well. So the only thing I basically had to teach him how to do was not screw up too much. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Just get out of the, just get out of the way. Yeah. Just, I used to tell him, Get out of you, just get out of your way and do the dive. Yep. Yep. Don't I don't even don't even have to think. Just dive yep. dumb. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's well, awesome. any thank you, Dave. Anybody else out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at the diving pod and our email account is the diving pod at gmail.com. 
check our link tree in our bio for, you know, t-shirts from Cowing Robards. Just enter DivePod at checkout for free shipping. Uh, once again, just wanted to say thank you to Dave. Uh, really, really enjoyed this one. It was cool to get a little uh, USA diving background in there. And, you know, obviously the facility at Fort Lauderdale is looking beautiful. So I'm excited for what's to come with that facility and when it finally does open up. And um, yeah, just a big thank you. No worries. My pleasure. All right. We'll see you next time.